So it was 2,000 years ago that something happened that shook the world and changed it forever. Three days after his public execution, Jesus Christ was raised by God to life. It was unprecedented, terrifying. For the last 2,000 years, people have been asking, what did it mean? How did it happen? Is there really life after death? It has captivated the thoughts of millions, billions since. Books have been written, songs sung, poetry composed. People convinced that this Jesus is the king of the universe, that Jesus brings hope, meaning, a new world without pain or death. But in our modern society, at our modern university, is Jesus really relevant? Is there really something worth thinking about this guy? Or has the world just overreacted? Hey friends, my name's Ryan. I'm a third year international studies and commerce student. Um, I'm more of a tomato sauce and onions kind of guy. So I'm going to uh, read the Bible for us. In the inside of your page, you can have a look. I'm going to be reading uh, read part of Luke chapter 19. And after that, Rich is going to come and explain what this means for us. So be following along the inside of your page, I'll read for us. He, that is Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. He was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He is going to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. especially if it is your first time, given that what we've just heard actually is the Word of God, I'm going to ask God to help me to speak. And if you're the praying kind, uh, please pray with me for that. Thank you, dear Father, that we can meet this lunchtime before Easter to hear what you have said in your Word. Pray now that you will please help us to listen ever so carefully. Help me to teach faithfully so that we might all see Jesus accurately. And Father, we pray this for Jesus' sake. 
It was a slow motion crime wave that began in New York. It spread to wealthy suburbs in the other parts of America. And then it actually stretched as far as the Middle East, where thousands of people were robbed of up to, wait for it, $64.8 billion in fraud. On the 11th of December in 2008, Bernard Madoff was arrested for these crimes. He stole from the rich. He stole from the poor. He stole from everybody in between. He cheated his victims so that he and his wife Ruth could live a life of luxury. And one victim actually said of him that we wanted everyone to know that he is in prison in much the same way that he had imprisoned us and others. So he urged the judge for a long prison sentence, and the judge obliged. Bernard Madoff was sentenced to 150 years in prison. 150 years. He didn't murder anyone, but he defrauded people, and that's what they thought he deserved. 150 years. The Bernie Madoff of the first century would have been Zacchaeus. Now, in this true story that we learn of this man named Zacchaeus, he's described here as the chief tax collector, or a chief tax collector. This is more like an official title, like the Commissioner of Taxes, as it were. But he was corrupt. He was in government. And in those days, there was no independent commission against corruption, and no laws to bring him down. So even though everyone knew that he was taking a portion of everyone's taxes, they couldn't do anything about it. But he was wealthy, we're told. And the people from whom he collected taxes were all victims imprisoned by his greed. But they could not bring him down. And my guess is that no matter what country we may come from, which part of Australia we may come from, we all know of people who are corrupt in some way, shape or form. In fact, heard of corruption in government. You know, it wasn't that long ago that the entire council of Wollongong was actually sacked because of corruption. Wollongong. Heaven. <laughs> Without a heavenly council, let me tell you. They really were corrupt. Now, we know that Jericho was a customs point for the goods in uh, entering into Palestine from the east, and Zacchaeus would have pocketed his fair share of these goods as well at this particular place called Jericho. But it so happens that on this particular day, Jesus was passing through Jericho. And Zacchaeus really wants to see Jesus. He was curious. Maybe he knew Jesus' reputation, just like the crowds knew his reputation. If you read the biography of Jesus, you would see that he was someone who had been reputed to have healed people, to cast out demons, to teach with authority, to be healing people and raising them from the dead. All these things were heard of Jesus. And here he is coming through the very place where he is working. So he's wanting to find out who this Jesus is. Maybe he even heard that Jesus had spent time with tax collectors and sinners 
just as he knew himself to be. So look at what happened with Zacchaeus. Have a look at the small number three there in your outlines. Verse three, or small number three, it says, and he, that is Zacchaeus, was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead, climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. Now Zacchaeus had my DNA. <laughs> he was small of stature. But I suspect he was even smaller of stature than moi. I suspect. But here he was, so curious, that he wanted to find out about Jesus. And if I were to produce a movie about Zacchaeus, I think I would have invited this guy, Danny DeVito. Here he is, he plays twins with <laughs> this man, Arnie Schwarzenegger, and he's this short guy who always plays a bad, grumpy character in every movie that he has. This is the kind of character you would picture Zacchaeus to be. But Zacchaeus is obviously smart in the story. In real life, he's very smart. He's smart enough to work out a way to see Jesus. So he runs ahead of the crowd and he climbs up this sycamore fig tree. Now my guess is that Zacchaeus didn't usually run. Let alone climb trees. Wealthy people don't run. Have you ever seen that? They just don't run, do they? Have you ever seen James Packer run? <laughs> you ever seen what a uh, Gina Reinhardt run? You ever seen Clive Palmer run? <laughs> <laughs> there may be a reason why Clive Palmer can't run. <laughs> and how many wealthy people do you see hanging out of trees? No? Here he is hanging out of a tree, having run ahead. And why did he run ahead? Look what happens, look at verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. I must stay at your house today. You see, Jesus is working to a definite plan. He must stay at Zacchaeus' house, we're told. And if you read Luke's biography, you will know what Jesus must do. He's actually stated this a few times, so in this slide you'll see that Jesus said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. Next slide. And Jesus said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed, and on the third day be raised to life. You see, Jesus says he must do things, and this word must is a very important word in this biography that is written by this fellow named Luke. That is, Jesus is working to a must plan, a definite plan. And so in line with his definite plan, we learn that Jesus must stay at Zacchaeus' house. He must. Why? Because at the heart of his definite plan is that very end sentence you'll see in your outlines, that's small number 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's the heart of his 
definite plan, you see. He came to seek and save the lost. Jesus had a definite plan to save lost people like Zacchaeus by his necessary life, by his necessary death, and by his necessary resurrection. And I want to ask you today, I wonder whether you <coughs> ever consider yourself as those who are amongst the lost. If some of you will, I suspect, given a crowd this size. Some of you will, because deep down inside, you know you have lived in ways that really offend God. And you're lost in your guilt over your past actions, whatever they are. And if you were to actually press replay on your life throughout your living memory, then you know deep down inside you're lost because of the cobweb of lies in your life. And you've lied to your family or lied to your friends, and no one here really knows the truth about you except God, of course. Or maybe you feel lost because of your slavery to sexual immorality, to what you watch online. Or maybe you feel lost because of your pride, or lost because of actions that have actually transpired because of your pride and your selfishness. Or maybe you're lost in your uncontrolled anger. That just seems so irrational. Or maybe you're lost for whatever selfish reason there is to feel lost in now. How do you think Steve Smith feels about Dave Warner. If this is you, please hear that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That's why Jesus is worth exploring, you see. If you really feel like you're anywhere close to any of that, in some way, shape or form, Jesus came to seek But I do wonder, I do wonder if there are any of us here who don't feel that we're amongst the lost at all. I wonder whether we might have reacted much like the crowd did in that small number seven. Have a look at verse seven there, small number seven. It says, and when they saw it, the crowd who saw Jesus' interaction with Zacchaeus, when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. My guess is that most of us don't think of ourselves as a sinner like Zacchaeus or like Bernie Madoff. Whilst we don't think we're perfect, we know that we're beyond scandal. If anything, we can appeal to our own moral record. There's no way we would have done what Steve Smith and co. have done if we were there. And so we feel as if we're generally good people, we're generally good neighbours, we've given up a lot of time to help friends, we're a good friend to most people, we don't really drink, while we hang out with nice people generally, I mean we're here aren't we, and many of us might even go to a church or a Bible study or go to camps and been to things like LIT or done various scout courses in which we learn stuff about the Bible. And we're here and we think, yeah, I'm not like that, Zacchaeus. I'm not lost like them. No, no, I'm, I'm actually morally good in the end. 
And so if we were victims of Bernie Madoff and saw Jesus, well, doing his thing, dining with Bernie Madoff, I wonder whether we'd be grumbling too if we were victims of Madoff. But can I suggest to you that we're actually more like Bernie Madoff than we think? You know, I've seen people overwhelmed with tears because of their lies. Overwhelmed with tears because of stealing or betrayal. I've met with people who have committed adultery and whose marriages have actually ended up shipwrecked. And I've seen them just be so overwhelmed to the point where they're, they're just crying. But I've never, ever seen anyone overwhelmed because of their greed. Why? Because greed is just so much a part of our lives. It's part of the air that we breathe. And we all, we all love greed, really. I deep down inside, we really do, don't we? Keep on asking, oh, would you like to come to this conference? Oh, no, I haven't got enough money. You don't think, oh, what do you spend it on? And you find out that there's all sorts of things that you can spend things on. It's just a matter of what you spend your money on, isn't it? Greed is so much a part of our society, of our environment. You know, if you've got running water into your house, you are amongst the top 10% of the world in terms of wealth. It's but what is it about money that we love? What, what is it? You know, could it be, well, let me try and see. I've got, oh, I've got a wallet in here somewhere, I think. I've got an iPhone. <laughs> I've also got money. Strike. What kind of money do I have? I have, I have $20. In fact, I've got two $20 notes. Look how rich I am. Tell me, am I rich? I'm someone who loves money. So I've got cards, and I've got $20. Well, let's just stick with the $20. What is it about money that I love? Is it the, the figure? Is it the plastic? Do I just love the texture? Is it the money that I love? Is it the texture? Is that what I feel? Is it you know, palpating the money? No. What is it about money that I love? It's what money brings, you know? The power that money brings. When you go to a restaurant, what happens? You order food and people serve you. That's power, isn't it? They wash up your dishes as well. You pay money for a Ed Sheeran concert. And you get 78,000 people join you as well. Unbelievable. That's just as many as people who are actually visiting the Mardi Gras, I understand. And what's the power of people actually let you in? They give you some kind of wristband. Whoa, that's worth a lot, isn't it? <laughs> and you get to get some soloist just play the whole time just with his pedal. Unbelievable. That's power. I actually went into a, a car sales yard some years ago and I asked to buy a second-hand car. And they said, you go over there and have a look at the second cars that were And the friend of mine actually said, oh, you know, with $1,000 more, you'd probably get a... Uh, a brand new car. 
no, okay, we'll check it out. So we the salesperson said, oh, we think just be ready. Oh, ready? And then he ushered me into his office, gave me a cup of tea, and, you know, it was air conditioning. I was suddenly a different human being. <laughs> because I was offering to look at a new car as opposed to a second new car. Have you seen a car? That's what money brings. And we delighted that. And you watch, the more money you get, the more power you're going to exercise, and the more important you're going to Mark my words. I don't think I'm being prophetic here. I'm just teaching the Bible. Because that's what Jesus said. It's so hard for rich people to enter the kingdom of God because you have power that you think comes from you, which actually comes from the money that God is giving you for whatever it is. We're all greedy. We're also greedy. It's just that we don't want to admit it. The, the only honest person I've heard say this was on a Chinese dating show that was called You Are The One I Want. Is that right? Hands <laughs> <laughs> up if you've seen that. I just want to know. Oh, look at you. I can't believe it. Yes, yes, on this it's show. I, I, I've seen half an episode, but my father loves it. Right? And my father told me that there was... No, it wasn't my father. It was actually a, a specific student at our focus ministry who came from and he told me, he said, on this episode, one lady actually said, she actually said, she said, I'd rather be crying in the back seat of a BMW to a husband who is rich that I do not love than on the back of a bicycle of a man that I do love. She was just being honest. <laughs> we just don't admit that. Which is honest. Because that's us, deep down inside. We're all greedy in some way, shape, or form, aren't we? We're just greedy. And money gives us permission to be greedy. It's, it's possessions, it's power. No wonder Jesus said, it is so hard, so hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. But you see, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And so he had to stay in the house of Zacchaeus. And look how he responded. Look at verse 8, this morning number 8. So Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. That's what he was going to do. Restore it fourfold. But keep on reading there in verse 9. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. See, Zacchaeus welcomed Jesus gladly. He was overjoyed. I and mean, wouldn't you be if Jesus was there and he knew that you were lost in your greed and you finally for the first time came to the recognition that you are greedy and that you're lost in it. And here is someone who is willing to find you, as it were, to help you out of your lostness. And to be a guest in someone's house was an offer of peace, of trust, of family, of, of forgiveness. We understand that. You know, sharing food together is really a sign of good relationship. I heard again this statistic that those who have migrated <coughs> to our country or those who are studying here from overseas very rarely get to stay in someone else's home who is a, a natural citizen of Australia. And when you share that, you know, it is, it is incredible. Well, even neighbours, I just think of some of our neighbours, we don't see many people going to their homes. It's just not as natural as we think. 
And if we've grown up with people in our homes all the time, please know that's unnatural, actually. To actually have people in your home regularly, to have regular visitors there, and to have people from outside who don't regularly uh, come to your home, that's, a, that's an amazing thing. And here it is that we've now, a thousand times over, Jesus comes to dine in the home of Zacchaeus. Not many people would have. No wonder the crowd complained. And Jesus was also offering forgiveness to a lost criminal, a sinner, imprisoned, who had rather imprisoned others by his greed. That's not justice. And justice is to give someone what they deserve. And like Bernie Madoff, Zacchaeus deserved 150 years in jail. But instead, he got what he didn't deserve. He got the undeserved generosity of Jesus. And no wonder Zacchaeus responded with great generosity by giving half of his possessions to the poor and returning four times what he stole from anyone else he defrauded. Because that's called repentance. That's changing your mind and having your actions in line with it, in line with what it should be. But please note that Zacchaeus was not saved or found because of his good deeds of generosity. See, what does verse 9 say? Have a look there. Does it say, Today salvation has come to this house because he gave possessions to the poor? No, no. Read it again. Look at what, what does it actually say? Today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. What does he mean by that? What he's saying is this, by coming to his house, Jesus made him a true son of Abraham. By coming to his house, Jesus made him a true heir to the promises he was made to this fellow named Abraham. By coming to his house, Jesus fulfilled all the promises made to this fellow named Abraham thousands of years before by saving lost people like Zacchaeus ultimately through his life and death and resurrection, because Jesus fulfilled all these promises that God made to this fellow named Abraham, that his offspring will become God's offspring. His people. How? Through what Jesus did. Because remember what Jesus said? The Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and he must be killed, and on the third day he must be raised to life. That is, Zacchaeus was saved not by what he did, he was saved by what Jesus did. When Jesus died that death that you and I deserved, on that first Good Friday, a thousand years ago, whatever was, and rose to life that we might have life in him. Jesus is worth exploring. We can't save ourselves by being good or moral or religious or even generous people. We may think we're beyond scandal, but we will be, we will be brought down by Jesus if we ignore him as the one to whom we owe everything. But Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And whatever you have done, however lost you may feel, however lost you might actually be. Please know that Jesus lived and died and rose again to save lost people like you and me. 
do you know if you're amongst the lost? Maybe it's not because of grief or these other things that I've mentioned so far, but whatever it is, as you scratch the surface of your own heart, if you know deep down inside that you want to be found by Jesus, then all you need to do is ask. I have a prayer that I've written in that's just up here. It's very easy prayer to understand, but I want to read it out to you before I offer to pray it and offer for you to pray it with me. It goes like this, Dear Father, please forgive me for offending you. Please forgive me for my grief. Thank you that Jesus came to save lost people like me. Please save me. And please help me to trust Jesus as my Lord and Saviour from now on. Now, if this is a prayer that you know is a prayer that you ought to pray. Because God has spoken to you. And can I encourage you to pray this prayer sentence by sentence? And what I'll do is pray it line by line, and you can echo it in your head and your heart to God in silence. And let me assure you, God will answer. If this is your prayer, then please pray. Dear Father, please forgive me for offending you. Please forgive me for my greed. Thank you that Jesus came to save lost people like me. Please save me. Please help me to trust Jesus as my Lord and Saviour from now on. Amen. The word Amen simply means I mean it. Can I assure you that if you pray that prayer that God has answered. In fact, in this very biography that Luke wrote, it says that God himself rejoices before the angels. If this is you. And I just want to draw your attention to a comment slip, this comment slip that Steph referred to at the beginning. We'd love your details and an opportunity for you to tick one of those things, including the one in which you'd like to find out more, read the Bible with someone and perhaps study to learn more about Jesus. But if you indicate, if you did pray that prayer, perhaps for the first time, for the first time in a long time, can you write the word pray on the back? That would be really helpful. And again, give us your details, and we'd love to follow you up. Now, the, the fringe benefit is that you get to hand that in and get a coupon, but that's just a fringe benefit on the side. What we'd really love is to be able to talk to you more about Jesus. Now we're going to continue speaking with God, or to God, and Emma is going to lead us now for a few moments.
Hi guys, um, I'm Emma, and I'm a second year psychology student, and I like onion and barbecue sauce in my sauce. But we're going to pray to God now. Um, we have a privilege to talk to him, so um, let's pray. Dear Lord, um, we thank you so much for your definite plan to save us lost people through Jesus' death and payment for our sins on the cross. We thank you so much for Easter, which is a beautiful chance to remember his death and resurrection. Um, yeah, Lord, we pray that um, many people would hear the word of God in the Bible for the first time um, and be reminded of it again. Lord, we thank you for faculty Bible studies um, running our campus all throughout semester. And we pray that students will know God's word through these Bible studies and be encouraged by each other. Um, Lord, we thank you for focus. We thank you for our brothers and sisters in Christ, to international students that can meet together, focus, um, and hear more about you. We thank you for the chance that they have to have dinner together and pray together in that setting. Um, yeah, Lord, we pray for the Easter special dinner coming up, that um, more new people will be able to attend and that they'll be able to hear your word through that. Thank you that you do listen to us. Amen. Um,